Welcome back to the M-Pod and part two of the mystery of Kaspar Hauser. Without further ado, let's delve into the years 1831 and 1832 in the life of Kaspar Hauser. We encounter a period marked by significant shifts in his circumstances, intriguing new relationships and events that further enshroud his story in layers of mystery. This chapter of House's life is a mosaic of hope, skepticism and the relentless pursuit of truth amidst a fog of speculation. In the early months of 1831, Kaspar House's life took a pivotal turn. The curiosity and empathy that once embraced him in Nuremberg began to wane, replaced by whispers of doubt and suspicion. Amidst this turbulent backdrop, a new figure entered House's life, one whose involvement would add a new dimension to the unfolding drama. Lord Stanhope, a British nobleman intrigued by House's story. Lord Stanhope's entry marked a hopeful face for Hauser. Captivated by the young man's enigmatic past and the possibility of royal lineage, Stanhope took Hauser under his wing with a blend of philanthropy and a keen interest in unraveling the mystery. Stanhope envisioned a future for Hauser far from the skeptical eyes of Nuremberg. Some background to who this Lord Stanhope was might be in place. Philip Henry Stanhope, the fourth Earl of Stanhope, was born in 1781 and passed away in 1855. He held a seat in the House of Lords, was elected to a Fellow of the Royal Society. That's an award for individuals who have made a substantial contribution to the improvements of natural knowledge. Yada yada, in other words, scientific fields like math, physics and so on. He was also president of the Medico-Botanical Society and vice president of the Society of Arts. Lord Stanhope was considered to be an eccentric and his father would not send him to any school but kept him at home. Stanhope met Kaspar Hauser first in 1831 and apparently developed a strong endearment for the boy. Contemporary rumors whispered about homoerotic undertones. With that said, that's rumors and nothing of that has ever been proven to be true. Lord Stanhope's involvement with Kaspar Hauser is a fascinating chapter in a mysterious tale, characterized by a blend of hope, intrigue and, ultimately, disillusionment. In 1831, Lord Stanhope entered the scene, bringing with him a renewed sense of possibility that perhaps the truth about House's origins might finally be uncovered. Lord Stanhope was drawn to Caspar Hauser, not just by the enigma that surrounded him, but also by the allure of potentially unraveling a story that had captured the attention of the whole of Europe. His interest in Hauser went beyond mere curiosity. Stanhope was invested in the idea that Hauser might indeed be of noble birth, perhaps even linked to the royal family of Baden, as previously discussed. In the pursuit of truth, Lord Stanhope took a significant step. 
He arranged for Hauser to travel to Hungary in 1831 with the hope that the journey might jog Hauser's memory or lead to discoveries about his past. The trip to Hungary was fueled by scattered fragments of Hauser's memories and his occasional use of words that seemed Hungarian, suggesting a possible connection to that region. The journey, however, was fraught with challenges and disappointments. Despite their effort, no conclusive evidence or recognition arose from their encounters in Hungary. The lack of any tangible link to Hauser's supposed past in Hungary led to growing frustrations. Stanhope had hoped for a breakthrough, a moment of revelation that would peel back the layers of Hauser's mysterious past, but such a moment never came. Disheartened by the lack of progress and increasingly skeptical of Hauser's claims, Lord Stanhope's relationship with Hauser began to strain. The nobleman's initial belief in Hauser's noble origins started to waver, replaced by doubts about the veracity of Hauser's story. The failed Hungarian expeditions not only deepened the mystery surrounding Hauser, but also introduced a rift between him and one of his most prominent supporters. In the aftermath of their journeys, Lord Stanhope's support continued in a more detached manner. He arranged for Hauser to stay in Ansbach under the care of Johann George Meyer, a schoolmaster, effectively distancing himself from the day-to-day -day affairs with Hauser's life. This shift marked a significant turning point in Hauser's story, as he lost the close guidance and advocacy of Lord Stanhope. The separation of Caspar Hauser and Lord Stanhope after their return from Hungary is a poignant reminder of the complexities and challenges in seeking the truth behind Hauser's enigmatic life. It underscores the fragile nature of belief and the impact of unmet expectations, not just for the individuals directly involved, but also on the broader quest for understanding one of history's most enduring mysteries. So, in December of 1831, a decision was made that would alter the course of Hauser's journey. Stanhope, determined to provide Hauser with a stable environment conducive to his education and well-being, transferred him to the care of, as said, Johann George Meyer, a schoolmaster in Ansbach. Meyer, known for his strict demeanor and pedagogical rigor, was a stark contrast to the more indulgent figures in Hauser's life. The transition to Ansbach and the guardianship of Meyer was fraught with challenges. Hauser, accustomed to a certain level of attention and sympathy, found himself navigating a relationship devoid of the warmth that he once knew. Meyer's skepticism towards Hauser's accounts of his past and his alleged noble origins put a strain on their interactions, casting a shadow over Hauser's new life in Ansbach. 1832 was a year of introspection and learning for Hauser, under the austere tutelage of Meyer. Despite the growing tensions and the ever-present cloud of doubt, Hauser's intellectual pursuit flourished. His ability to read, write and engage with complex subjects revealed a mind that was curious and capable, if not always understood. Yet, the specter of Hauser's mysterious origins and 
the enigmatic circumstances of his upbringing, never strayed far from the minds of those around him. The townspeople of Ansbach, like those in Nuremberg before them, were caught between fascination and skepticism, drawn to the mystery, yet wary of potential deceit. As 1832 drew to a close, the relationship between Hauser and Mayer grew increasingly strained. The burden of proof, the weight of expectation and the challenge of navigating a world that oscillated between credibility and disbelief took its toll on Hauser. The promise of new beginnings in Ansbach seemed to dissolve into a familiar pattern of isolation and misunderstanding. The years 1831 and 1832 in the life of Kaspar Hauser were a testament to the complexity of his existence. Caught between the hope of a new life and the chains of an unsolved past, Hauser's story during this period reflects the broader human struggle for identity, belonging and truth. As we ponder the twists and turns of his journey, we're reminded of the enduring power of mystery to captivate, challenge and at times confound us. Now some words on, as far as I know and have been able to research, Kaspar Hauser's only employment during his short life. In 1832, Kaspar Hauser's life took a turn that offered him a semblance of normalcy and routine, as he was employed as a copyist at the local law office in Ansbach. This development was significant for Hauser, not only because it provided him with a structured daily activity, but also because it represented a step towards integration into society, a stark contrast to the mysterious and isolated beginnings of his life. As a copyist, Hauser's primary responsibility was to transcribe documents by hand. This job required meticulous attention to detail a steady hand and a certain level of literacy and understanding of the language and the content that he was duplicating. Given Hauser's previously demonstrated abilities both in reading and writing, skills he had honed under the tutelage of Friedrich Daumer and others, this role would have been well within his capabilities. This period in Hauser's life was marked by the pursuit of a more ordinary existence, a way from the intense scrutiny and speculation that had followed him since his appearance in Nuremberg in 1828. Working as a copyist allowed Hauser a degree of independence and self-reliance, contributing to his sense of self-worth and identity. However, the job also placed Hauser in a more public setting, where his interactions with colleagues and the public could have been challenging, given his background and the social skills he may have lacked due to his unusual upbringing. The nature of his work, often repetitive and solitary, might have suited him given his past experiences of isolation. But it also meant that he remained somewhat apart from the bustling life of a typical young man in the early 19th century. This phase of House's life, while offering stability, also underscored the contradictions of his very existence. A young man seeking normalcy while enveloped in an aura of mystery, working in a legal environment that symbolized order and rationality, 
yet carrying a personal history filled with unanswered questions and enigmatic tales. In summary, Caspar Hauser's role as a copyist in 1832 was a notable chapter in his short and turbulent life, representing an effort to carve out a place for himself in the world, even as the shadows of his mysterious past continued to loom large. Now let's dive into a third theory regarding Caspar Hauser, focusing particularly on the intertwining notions of mental illness and the possibility of an elaborate hoax. This perspective offers a starkly different lens through which to view Hauser's enigmatic story, one that challenges the romanticized or tragic interpretations and instead delves into the complexities of human psychology and the capacity for deception. Among the myriad theories proposed to explain his origins and bizarre behavior, the notions of mental illness and hoax stand out for their provocative implications. Could Hauser have been suffering from a psychological condition that led him to fabricate his mysterious past, or was he the architect of an elaborate deception, a hoax that captured the imagination of a nation? The mental illness theory postulates that Hauser's peculiarities, his limited communication skills, his strange behaviors, his fantastical account of a life spent in solitary confinement could be symptomatic of a psychological disorder. Supporters of this theory point to conditions such as dissociative identity disorder or even elaborate delusions stemming from schizophrenia which might explain his confused sense of identity and his vivid recounting of a life spent in isolation. Conversely, the hoax theory posits that Caspar Hauser was a masterful storyteller, weaving a narrative so compelling that it ensnared not only the townsfolk of Nuremberg, but also the broader public and even influential figures of the time. This theory suggests that Hauser, driven perhaps by a desire for attention, sympathy or even material gain, crafted his mysterious persona with careful attention to detail, exploiting the human punchion for intrigue and the sensational. Critics of the hoax theory argue that maintaining such a deception would require a level of sophistication and consistency that seems at odds with Hauser's apparent naivety and shy-like demeanor. Yet proponents counter that these very traits could have been part of the ruse, a calculated performance designed to disarm skepticism and elicit sympathy. The intersection of the mental illness and hoax theories raises profound questions about the nature of truth and the reliability of self-reported experiences. If Hauser was indeed suffering from mental illness, his accounts of his past might represent a confused intermingling of fantasy and reality rather than deliberate falsehoods. Conversely, if his story was a hoax, it speaks to a deep understanding of the human psyche and the power of narrative to shape reality. As we explore the labyrinth story of Caspar Hauser through the dual lenses of mental illness and hoax, we are reminded of the complex interplay between the mind's inner workings and the outer world of social interaction and perception. Hauser's legacy, 
whether that of a troubled soul or a cunning fabricator, challenges us to ponder the elusive boundaries between reality and imagination, truth and deception. The year 1833 in the life of Kaspar Hauser was a period filled with profound contradictions, marked by fleeting moments of stability that were overshadowed by escalating tensions and ultimately tragedy. This year would prove to be the final chapter in the enigmatic life of a young man who had captivated the imagination of the public, puzzled scholars and stirred the hearts of those who came in contact with him. As we turn the pages of history to the year 1833, we find Kaspar Hauser in Ansbach, under the guardianship of Johann Georg Meyer, a schoolmaster known for his strict discipline and skepticism towards Hauser's extraordinary claims. Despite the semblance of normalcy provided by his employment as a copyist, Hauser's life was anything but ordinary. The aura of mystery that enveloped him since his appearance in Nuremberg continued to cast long shadows and his interactions with the townspeople were laced with a mix of curiosity, skepticism and at times outright hostility. In this tumultuous period, Hauser's relationship with Maya grew increasingly strained. The schoolmaster's impatience with what he perceived as Hauser's fabrications and attention-seeking behavior created an environment of mutual distrust and frustration. Amidst the challenges, Hauser found moments of solace in his work and the simple routines of daily life, clinging to the hope that he might yet carve out a place for himself in this world. As the year progressed, Hauser's life took a dark and foreboding turn. On December the 9th, after a particularly heated argument with Maya, Hauser ventured into the streets of Ansbach, his heart heavy with the weight of his uncertain existence. The event that followed would forever remain shrouded in mystery and speculation. Five days later, on the afternoon of December the 14th, Hauser returned home with a severe wound to his chest. He claimed that he had been lured to the Ansbach court garden by a stranger who then attacked him, plunging a knife into his side. The police found a small violet purse at the scene containing a cryptic note written in mirror writing which read Hauser will be able to tell you quite precisely how I look and from where I am. To save Hauser the effort I will tell you myself from where I come underscore underscore. I come from underscore the Bavarian border underscore on the river underscore. I will even tell you the name M L E. The wound proved fatal and on December the 17th, 1833, Kaspar Hauser succumbed to his injuries, leaving behind a legacy as mysterious in death as it was in life. Theories abounded regarding the identity of his assailant and the motive behind the attack, but conclusive answers remained elusive, lost in the mists of time. In the wake of his death, the community and indeed the wider world were left to ponder the many unanswered questions surrounding Kaspar Hauser. Was he a lost prince, ensnared in a web of political intrigue? A troubled youth crafting an elaborate tale of woe and abandonment? 
or perhaps something else entirely, a symbol of eternal human struggle for identity, belonging and truth. As we reflect on the life and ultimately death of Kaspar Hauser in the year 1833, we are reminded of the profound impact that one individual story can have on the collective consciousness of a society. His life was a mosaic of unanswered questions, a tapestry woven with threads of fact and fiction, leaving us to wonder about the nature of truth, the search for belonging and the enigmatic depths of the human soul. In the life of Kaspar Hauser we find a narrative so compelling so imbued with the elements of mystery, tragedy and are unexplained that it continues to fascinate and puzzle us nearly two centuries later. His story, emerging from the mists of the early 19th century, touches upon the universal themes of belonging, identity and the eternal quest for one's place in the world. As we reflect on the various theories that attempt to pierce the veil surrounding House's origins, whether he was a lost prince, a victim of kidnapping, suffering from mental illness, or perhaps a feral child, we are reminded of the limitations of our understanding and the enduring allure of the unknown. The legacy of Kaspar Hauser serves as a poignant reminder of the complexities of human nature and the lengths to which society will go to unravel what is hidden. It challenges us to consider how narratives are constructed, how truths are fashioned and interpreted, and how individuals like Hauser navigate the fine line between reality and perception. In the end, the mystery of Kaspar Hauser may never be fully unraveled. His life and the circumstances of his untimely death might remain shrouded in the shadows of history a puzzle yet to be solved. But perhaps it is in the searching, in the quest to understand, that we find the most profound insights. Not just to House's life, but into the depths of the human experience. Thank you for joining the M-Pod on this journey through the haunting and mysterious saga of Kaspar Hauser. My personal feeling is that we will never find out the truth about Kaspar. If he was a trickster, a hoaxer, then he must have been really cunning and intelligent to be able to come from the lower social levels of society and make up a story that would convince everyone. On the other hand, perhaps people were more credulous and like Agent Mulder used to say, they wanted to believe. I don't know. I will never know. And neither will you probably. But you have to agree with me. It's a fantastic story and it's worth being amazed by. You have listened to the M-Pod and I'm your host, Magnus. This episode was researched, written and read by me. The podcast has a group on Facebook that you can join. The link can be found in the info section of this episode. I've also set up a new website for the M-Pod. Again, the link for that is in the information section of this episode. And if you want to get in touch with the M-Pod, you can now mail me at admin at mpod.nu that's n-u well before I go and re-watch Werner Herzog's movie about Kaspar Hauser it is time for the obligatory end joke I had a hard time finding one specific for this episode's topic so here goes nothing why are the pyramids in Egypt they were too heavy to steal and put in a British museum (laughs) 